Welcome, everyone, to this episode of This One Time at OU. Great guest this evening. A great guest for a couple reasons. Uh, went to OU, was in a super band, is an author, and went to my high school. So with that, I'd like to introduce Joe Lyon. Joe, welcome. Hey, Tim. Thanks for having me. It's nice to uh, talk to somebody from Springfield. And that's Springfield, Ohio, in case anyone's wondering. Uh, Joe and I went to high school together, but I was a freshman and he was a senior and he was in a band called Purple Toad and they were the cool kids and uh, like they're the <laughs> ones we looked up to. So it was, uh, and, and what do you know, now he's on the podcast, so that's super. Well, Joe, what's been going on since you left Springfield? Well, you know, with all that big intro, you know, uh, we were so much older than you are now. We're walking around with uh, liver spots and liver disease yelling at kids to get off our, our yard. So yeah yeah it's springfield ohio not springfield missouri or springfield of the simpsons or uh springfield illinois the land of lincoln yeah no i'm i'm glad to be here um to talk about my uh my escapades there at ohio university in beautiful athens ohio i, I was there for uh i did not graduate from ou but i was there uh for a couple of years lived down in the south green which i thought at the time yeah, the South Green. Um, I thought at the time, and I'm sure everybody that went to OU thought this too, that um, you know, the South Green was the uh, the center of the universe. I'm sure where everybody, whether you lived on the uh, the West Green or East Green, I'm sure everybody thought that there theirs were the center of the universe. But I actually thought that the South Green was the center of the party universe, uh, and OU was the party school. And in the South Green, I thought Pickering Hall, old Pickering, uh, was my my dorm, and it was the center of the cyclone for a lot of things up on the I second floor. I was at Pickering as well. I was at Pickering as well, and um, we talk about uh, the different greens, and, and I've said this before. I was not a fan of West Green, but I just went back there um, uh, last month, and it's very nice now, but I still like talk about the center of the universe. I felt like the gym was the center of the universe at West Green. Yeah, I always, always related the West Green to uh, the athletic department and the South Green were like, uh, no, you know, don't, don't, uh, I mean, the only thing we did was play Frisbee. That that was the, the height. Frisbee. I, yeah. I had some friends that were on that team. That was a fun thing to do. Yeah. I, oh, by the way, I also have to, um, give out a shout out to Martsoff Hall too, because I lived in the mods in Martsoff Hall. And uh, that was a little bit more laid back, you know, uh, but had great roommates there, um, mod mates, I guess. Uh, we still stay in contact and uh, uh, actually uh, had great friends there in uh, in Martsoff. I, I remember uh, they had a something of a little party or something. I don't know what it was. I can't remember what it was, but there was some party on the lawn down there. And, uh, well, to make a long story short, I was dancing by myself in the dark on a table in the mod, went off the edge of it, and I got a carpet burn between my eyes that went all the way down, like, to the bridge of my nose. And that carpet was so dirty. It got so infected. So for about like six weeks, I was walking around with this gigantic uh, 
yellow pussy uh, rug burn in between my eyes going all the way to the bridge of my nose. It was one, it was a very humbling moment. Yeah, that sounds not like much fun at all. Now, I feel like you were allowed to smoke in the dorms when we were there. Is that right? That seems so think foreign you're, now. No, I think I think we smoked back then um, therapeutically. It was it was actually recommended by eight out of nine doctors, uh, and 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 really, and nine out of ten said you should smoke menthols. Yeah, think about the <laughs> housekeeping crews. I I know we just left. Uh, we had uh, one. I had a set of friends there who I just saw at that reunion. They all went to Dugan. They got kicked out for partying too much. The whole floor got kicked out, and that's I, uh, that's you know impressive. slow slow clap to them. Uh, that must be. I would like to hear some of their expect. Escapades. Escapades. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, you know, Paul Newman, you know, rolled the, uh, the that was like the, the most uh, famous resident, I think, of OU getting kicked out for rolling the, the keg down the hill. I think it hit a Volkswagen, didn't it? At the bottom. See, I didn't I didn't know that. I didn't know that it was shenanigans that got him out of there. Oh, yeah, he attended. That's a fame. I can't remember. I'm not a frat boy, but I can't remember what frat it is on top of Jeff Hill. But he he pledged that uh, uh, that fraternity and he got kicked out for uh, getting a little over imbibed one night and then rolling a uh, a full keg down the hill, uh, down Jeff Hill. And it ended up hitting a car. I thought it was a Volkswagen, but I'm not sure. But then the story, you know, it gets embellished and it says it was the dean's car or something like that. And then the next day he was uh, he was expelled. So, you know, way to go, Paul. I mean, and yeah, there's like a pic- that's a slow clap if there ever was one. Yeah. And there's a picture of Paul Newman in that uh, frat house. At least there was when I was there. So, yeah, he's a little there's a little idol worship there. I'm surprised you haven't heard that one. That one was. Uh, no, I, I knew he went, but I didn't know that. That's good. Hey, one thing when you mentioned South Green and you mentioned uh second floor um it seems like that's where all the partying went on in the dorms because uh, my sophomore year i lived on the on the second floor and then i um lived on the fourth floor and pickering and my room wasn't the hangout room at all but it's just and then but people friends i went to were second floor i guess when you walk into the dorm uh you don't go left or right because you assume those are offices so you go upstairs one I don't know. Yeah, fourth fourth floor. There's too many stairs. Um, you you can't smoke and walk up the stairs if you live on the fourth floor. Yeah, we had the party room on the second floor, right over the entrance, so we could hang out by the window and we can watch people go in and out to you know see the RAs, you know see any potential problems coming. Or we could just yell down and say, uh, "Hey, come on up here!" And you know, we ended up having a a pretty uh, Pretty well lived in room. And matter of fact, yeah, we used to steal speakers out the windows. Speakers awesome. out the windows. We had a flag hanging out, and uh, we used to steal the furniture from the common areas and, and take them into our room, uh, use them as gigantic ashtrays and and beer empty beer can holders. You know, um, I don't know how many times uh, we got in trouble, and but every time we did, we just put it back. And then as soon as the RA left, we just pick it right back up and stick it right back in the room. So it was fun. Um, fun for sure. I remember I had a friend who had all these black lights. Uh, he painted his room on all fluorescent. So you turn on the black light, light, it would show. And then he had to paint over it. But then if you go back in and you turn on the black light, it still came through. And I'm like, oh, that'd be awesome to get in a room. We had a friend of mine who's a fantastic 
artist did a big um uh, uh a grateful dead uh big mural on our wall and, and it was fantastic stagger lee and it was it was i wish i had a picture of it maybe i do somewhere but it, it was great yeah yeah uh, yeah you were talking about uh the art that eldridge did down there by the art building by the uh what was that it was an archway of some sort well it's kind of like yeah it was really i think it's um like it was the side of a building, but the building was on a hill. And so they put steps up to it. So the steps went like an amphitheater, but you know, if you're facing a side of a building. Yeah. Now you took art classes. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Um, that was a, an interesting experience because um, that was my first, it was my first art class in college. I mean, I've taken them before, but uh, I mean, are you a, a good artist? Or was this like, hey, I'll give it a no, shot? No, I, I thought I was. I, I mean, I I had a kind of a knack for it. It kind of ran in my family. And um, so I it was something that inter- interested me. I, I really liked drawing, you know. I, I had a little trouble with paints and colors. But um, I liked charcoals and and, uh, and, and, and drawing with, with uh, lead pencils. But, uh, you know, like when we took the art class down there, um, it was my... I think I took it in my first quarter and for weeks we had just been drawing like apples and pears sitting on tablecloths and uh, cones and cubes and things like that, you know, real boring stuff. But uh, the big excitement was, you know, it was it was exciting, just like uh, dissecting the frog in biology class. You know, the big excitement in art class the big is event. the big event is going to be you're going to draw nudes. And now I have never drawn a nude person ever the old matter of fact the only person i've ever seen in the nude is my family but that's a different story that i don't want to talk about um but these are real human beings that i don't know uh in the nude so you know that was really kind of better than dice better better than than a diced frog frog. yeah right (laughs) well how was that was that weird because you're like young and like you know pretty girl takes off her clothes i'm like oh wow i I, I just i would i don't know like hey tim there's the rest of the body you need to draw i'm like okay (laughs) so i was really excited you know um because on the schedule we were going to draw three nudes two women were scheduled and one male and uh, I got to admit, I was really not uh, very stoked about the mail, but, uh, you, you know, you take life as it comes, right? So um, finally, after drawing cones and, and cubes and pine cones and things like that, we finally, you know, it's the, finally the big night. We're going to get uh, a nude, a female nude model in, you know, and, um, and, and so sure enough. I, like, Mom, what are you doing here? Get out! <laughs> You know, anything for a buck, right? And I keep thinking, nah, this isn't going to happen. You know, this this is going to be canceled. Uh, but sure enough, we got in there. And I mean, I actually started getting nervous. We're sitting around this this circle, about 20, uh, you know, so-called, and I'm, I'm making air quotes here, artists uh, about to, you know, apply our, uh, our, our limited trade here to uh, the, the nude male form. And sure enough, an attractive looking young lady comes in and she's dressed in just in a robe and i'm like oh my gosh she's really going to do this well she stood in the middle of the ring of about 20 of us there and she stepped out of the room and or out of her she stepped out of the robe and now she's naked you know so she i thought it was weird she carefully folded up her robe uh with 20 
people watching her, she carefully folded it up and put it casually on a chair, which I thought was really kind of <laughs> kind of ballsy, you know. Uh, but she did that. Um, I mean, I mean, don't people have nightmares about that, about being naked in front of 20 people? But, uh, you know, she did that. And then she found a place within the circle and tried to make herself as comfortable as she could, you know, as comfortable as one can standing naked in front of 20 people. And she sat down and she sat with her back to me. You know, I waited all this time. I was so excited for this. And she turned her back on me and sat down. And the only thing I could see of her in complete naked body was her spine. <laughs> that was it. So it wasn't exactly what I was waiting for or, you know, what I was expecting to see. But, um, you know, I thought, well, maybe, you know, there's two of them. So maybe I'll have better luck with the next time. But no, it, the second time it was the same thing. So she 100 percent did the same thing. The second model came in and turned her back to me and sat down. I was like, you got to be kidding me. Two in a row. Now, um, the night finally came that I was just dreading uh it was the night that we had to draw the male nude um and when you know it that this guy steps out of his uh out of his sweatpants he's buck ass naked and he walks right in front of me and he not only is he standing uh full frontal in front of me he's making eye contact with me out of 20 folks, he's the one that's looking me like in my soul, in my eyes the entire time. Uh, now, look, I, I'm not homophobic. I'm really not. I, I actually tried to draw him the best I could possibly draw. I, I applied the utmost care to drawing him. Uh, and, you know, and it wasn't wasn't too bad. But uh, when I got to his wiener. I got to admit, I drew without looking at it, and I drew just from memory. I uh, I drew a 14-foot King Cobra snake. <laughs> it was coiled up, uh, ready to strike, with long fangs and just spitting out venom. So yeah, that was that was pretty much my art uh, my art career. How did his penis become a cobra? Like where it started out? Was it coiled up in front of his body, or did it go out and then coil up on the ground and come back out? That's a long cobra, 14. Uh, no, it came down from between his legs. It went underneath his foot. It came back okay. up. He was holding it in his hand about midway in the body. And then the rest of the snake was, it was actually taller than he was. So, yeah, it was, you know, and it was looking very uh, angry at the, uh, at the viewer with its uh, mouth, I guess, Snakes have mouths, not beaks or anything like that. Yeah, I think they have mouths. That sounds kind of biblical almost. Yeah, it was. It was like the part in uh, the Ten Commandments when they throw down their staffs and, you know, it turns into snakes. It, it looks something like that. Uh, yeah, so that's what I captured. That's impressive. Um, yeah, but, you know, the art, I don't know what it is about art teachers. I think they take their art much too seriously because he did not have a sense of humor. And I guess this whole segment could be why I failed art. But I would think, like, that's kind of impressive. I mean, if you had art skills, did he give you any, like, it was it well done? It was like, hey, well, it's well done. But, like, how does he judge what art is, right? Did you throw that one back at him? I, I mean, I guess I didn't shadow the, you know, do a very good job shadowing the, the King Cobra. But, I mean, how can you how can you fail art? I mean, you know, you can spit on the wall and call that art. So I don't quite understand it. Well, I think I'd just be afraid of you after you drew that. I'm like, oh, that's great, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> How's the C sound for you? <laughs> yeah. Look. 
Yeah, let me show you the door. Yeah. But that art that you uh, told me about, about Edr- Eldridge, though. Yeah, Eldridge's um, art, yeah. It was that, awesome. Uh, that was awesome. I rem- I took a lot of pictures of that down there. That was actually, uh, we had a photo shoot down there with Purple Toad once. Uh, we were trying to take pictures for uh, an, an upcoming album that we had. We never really got on the album cover or anything, but um, we still got those pictures. And uh, I always thought it was creepy as hell. I thought it was like some sort of satanic ritual or something. No, down not there. really. His daughter was on the um, the show, and I was always a fan of his art. His classes uh, was big on attendance, and he didn't really know. Uh, that's what he hated was taking attendance, and it was very stream of conscious. Our exams sometimes were just. Uh, very very unique. We had to fill up a glove full of dirt and then nail it to the ground and the whole class did that or a picture one, one exam we had to bring in a picture of a a rabbit or a turtle and then we had to stick those in the in the ground and uh i don't know it kind of it, it it was good in the fact that like hey what is our like hey let's forget about life for a bit and just you know kind of get a little deeper thought now very hard to follow but it did make you think a little deeper i, I felt like I mean, a person who really didn't care about what others thought. I remember uh, when I was, I think, I guess my senior year, he wore a burlap bag most of the time. But he would be at the union rocking out like six inches in front of the speaker, like hugging himself for a long time. And it was, uh, that's pretty intense because he was an old, old guy. When when I had him, he taught, I think, from 1954-ish or 57 to maybe 2014, something like that. So Hmm. that's a long time of teaching. Was he really wearing a burlap bag? He was. Well, he had it as a shirt. He had on pants. And his office was um, painted just like that mural. Actually, when I, when I was there, it was more white than black. Like, I think the mural's more black than white. I, I remember that mural being what more white than black. Um, did it change over time to more? Maybe. Did uh, they maybe repaint it? Maybe I just it? don't remember. Maybe I, maybe I just went at night. <laughs> i don't know maybe well, you had a few few drinks perhaps uh so joe i know in high school you you didn't shy away from fun you were in this super band uh tell me about the band and also i want to hear some of uh, your good ou stories yeah uh we we started playing um back in like 1979 i think and it was we were uh, garage band, you know, we would play Godzilla by Blue Oyster Cult, uh, you know, and th- that was after we graduated from playing Freebird for uh, about 45 minutes, you know, and not the whole song either, just the last three chords. Um, and then we were, you know, we started playing parties and stuff like that. And um, Todd Bowser was the guitar player, you know, he was my best friend and, uh, and, in school and in high school and going into uh, to college. And his brother, Jack, used to call him Toad. And uh, when we were playing at a party once, uh, his brother, I guess, introduced us somehow. And we didn't really even have a name. And he called us Purple Toad, um, kind of a, a, a tongue-in-cheek uh, version of Purple Haze by Jimi Hendrix and just using Toad's name. So he, they just called us Purple Toad and it kind of stuck and uh, kind of stuck on us like a wart. And that's just the the name we had always used. So, uh, you know, uh, we got together with uh, Nick Fitzwater uh, there in Springfield. We recorded uh, four albums, actually. They're available almost everywhere. 
you can buy them if you really wanted to pay us. Uh, you can get them on iTunes. But uh, if you're a cheapskate and that's okay, you can get it for free. Just go to you. Can, it's on YouTube. Uh, just search for uh, Purple Toad. And um, actually, there's a winery in Kentucky called Purple Toad, so you might get that. But if you uh, scroll down past the winery, you you know we're in there somewhere. Well, I know you guys played at OU, and before we get to that, I have to uh, mention. I remember in high school there was um, what was the the Purple Toad house that it was Ugh. a house that was like abandoned, but you guys played there, and there was always a party going on. And I remember it was right by the Mike Sells potato yes. chip place and they always they had a truck that they always for some reason they left open with expired chips and beef jerky so it was always very convenient to eat and uh when you go got the there. munchies but, yeah but that was i remember like being in high school and that was like a rocking place particularly again you guys were all like you were seniors i'm a freshman i'm at the toad house this rocks i i don't think it mattered did it I mean, you didn't no, feel. No, it didn't. You, no, you it, were just didn't. one of the. You were just one of the faces in the crowd. It didn't matter if people were young or old, or we were very inclusive. Best years of my life, right there uh, at the Toad House. Uh, we just had like this Charlie Manson communal family thing going on. Uh, we were all dirty and smelly, uh, but we all stuck together, and uh, we were very inclusive. We included anybody who wanted to come come by. Really, the only people that we didn't like were people that liked to come in and brag about how much they could drink. Uh, those people inevitably were laying somewhere with vomit in their hair, just yeah, kind of stuck to the ground. They probably yeah. ended up at West Green at OU or something. I, <laughs> yeah, we didn't like we didn't like Pete because we could. We were uh, we could we were premier partiers back then, but we didn't really brag about it too much. We try to keep it on a low key. And people who came in who said they can, you know, chug a half gallon of whiskey or something, uh, usually regretted saying those kind of things. But other than that, uh, we were really inclusive, and no one knows the stories that went on at the Toad House. Uh, but we were rocking that house. Um, yeah, a, a mother. Uh, a Barbara Hertzinger of the Hertzinger clan and Roger Hertzinger, they had that house and uh, they donated it to us. Uh, God bless them because they knew that we were going to party and they would rather have us uh, be in a place where we would just stay instead of, you know, driving around, getting, uh, getting in trouble or getting in an accident or hurting ourselves or somebody else. So they just kind of gave us that house and uh, we painted it and, had weird things on the wall. Do you remember how it was painted? We had like, um, like little ghouls and demons and and cartoon characters and yeah. suns and moons and cosmic scenes and it was really pretty cool. I think it was painted purple on the inside. I think too that there was some like there was some uh, destruction later on too. So like not all walls were were all full there, or at least the windows or doors. It was fine if you wanted. You know, if you if you had too much to to experience or whatever or you got mad and you wanted to punch a hole in the wall go ahead hell i'll 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 do it with you so it was it was really cool and uh the back of the house we never went into uh we were pretty sure there were rats back there uh probably that was all like cold and like yeah it was all dingy or something like yeah yeah it was dingy yeah yeah it was it was kind it was definitely a public safety hazard and that's what really that was the the hole in the roof in the back maybe or something like that i think like there was like (laughs) you could go outside easy enough well, hey, I uh, I know, like, so you really basically had college, and this is our high school. So tell me, uh, when you went to OU, uh, did the band go with you? 
Because you, you and Todd went to it, OU, so yeah, it got better actually as we went to OU because uh, we we discovered a, our drummer in uh, music theory class. Uh, his name was Derek Resnick. Um, he played with one bass drum, whereas at the time there were a lot of drummers coming out with two bass drums. So they would play bass kick drum with uh, both feet to actually you know get that uh, reverberating bass drum going. Darren only had one. But he could he could hit that thing with one foot faster than uh, almost anybody else could with two feet. So I gave him a nickname Thumper because he always thumped that bass. So I, I always still to this day when I talk to him, I still call him Thumper. Um, but he was a really just an excellent drummer. He still plays in the Columbus area with a band called uh, GTM Good Time Music is is their, the name of their band. And well, they what was, play. He has a rock star name. What was his name? Darren Resnick. Doesn't that sound like a rock star name? It does to me, yeah, because, I mean, I'm, I'm used to, you know, referring to him in a rock star sort of way. So, uh, yeah, so it was me and Todd, and uh, and then we got we picked up uh, Darren. And so um, I'm not much of a vocalist, but I, I am pretty good with musical memory, so I could remember the words. So I was the singer, the bass player. Uh, Toad was the uh, guitar player, Darren Resnick on drums. So uh, we, we played the... I think my 15 minutes of fame was really at the Frontier Room when uh, the local radio station there, I, I, I can't remember what the call signs were, uh, but they live live cast uh, their radio show from the Frontier Room when back when they served beer. And I had been in there a lot of times. The Frontier Room used to be a real rocking place. It had uh, Willie and the Pooch that had the, the greatest blues ever uh a very attractive woman was singing with this very large older black man and the band behind them was just fantastic and between their two voices i mean she could get so high and he could uh he could wail and they played blues uh they played a version of signified monkey that had that just i wish i could I, I wish I recorded. It's the best version I've ever heard. Uh, it was full of profanity, uh, just really what the doctor ordered. And then um, Aces and Eights, that was um, my roommate's band. Dave Morrison's uh, was in that. They played blues as well, and uh, he really blew a uh, mean harmonica. And, uh, and, and it, his brother was actually my roommate in Pickering, so we kind of had the uh, the inside track on that, and that was really good. So when we uh, when Purple Toad played the Frontier Room, I had even with Aces and Eights and Willie and the Pooch, I never really saw a crowd like we had that night because I don't know if it was because the radio station was stream casting or uh, live or not, but uh, we actually took the room to capacity, which I think was about 250 people. And it was just amazing because after we get done playing, uh, you know, just this wave of That's applause a lot of came in back. That room. Yeah, I remember that. That would have been a packed place. So it was probably a- it was standing room only. Yeah, and then to have that many people, you know, uh, clapping, uh, you know, right on cue at the end of a song was really, a, really a humbling experience. We we played this version of Rolling Stones, uh, "Can't Always Get What You Want." But instead of you know the little choir beginning, and we, you know we played it really funky. And uh, it it ended up being a I thought it was a really fun rendition to play. And then when we got back to Springfield, um, do you remember Ruby Tuesdays that 
yeah, that sure. bar down there, um, or actually we, we uh, affectionately called it Screw Me Rudeways. So we were playing down at Ruby Tuesdays, and um, uh, the the best band in town, I think, was called at the time was called uh, a band called New Music, and I was uh, really uh, uh, fascinated because they actually picked up our our version of Can't Always Get What You Want by the Stones, and they they made it really funky like we did, and they they played it just almost exactly the way we did. At first, you know, I was like, well, they're ripping us off, but then I was like, well, why not? You know. Uh, hey, you know, I'm, uh, what is it? Uh, you know, they're they're complimenting us by imitating. Uh, Frank Serber was my was my guitar teacher. I took a, like a, one of the King Cage or something guitar lessons, and he was an awesome guitar player. I remember that, that new music guitar player. Hey, well, let's get to OU. Um, tell me some of your crazy stories at, at OU. So freshman year, Pickering, like a, any stories that stick out from your freshman year? Because that was a wild time. The hangar was still open. The hangar were there. So and that Polkers. was like. That yeah. was just hangar was walking distance. Like, oh, I don't feel like walking the distance. Hill. Yeah, let's go. I guess everything's walking distance, but like you didn't have to go up any hills to get there. Yeah, you know the the one thing that I just remember the most about my freshman year, uh, it was in the fall quarter of, of 1983. You know, it was my first time away from home. It's kind of a liberating experience. You know, uh, I had never been away from home like that before. But um, you know, a couple of events happened right off the bat that were pretty scary, you know, and really woke, woke me up. Um, there were two deaths in the first. See, I don't remember that, that. Like, I don't remember that happened. OU. OU was a safe place. Yeah, and, right. I mean, it never I, I happened about again. People like, you know, haunted dorm, Wilson hall and stuff, but like, yeah, tell me more about that. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, as far as I know, it, it, it never happened again the entire time I was there, but in my first, quarter there the fall of uh 83 uh there was two deaths like in within the first couple of weeks of that quarter starting and so you know it kind of that'll have a tendency of, of waking you up the, the the first death uh was on the west green actually a student fell to their death uh trying to leap between two balconies i'm not exactly sure where that was but i think it was kind of like uh i think they had a taller dorm out there but they were trying to leap between two two balconies. Now, now this might be a surprise to you, Tim. It was ruled. Now, get this: an alcohol-related incident at yeah, OU. Yeah, because well, because it was West Green. I thought they probably party. See, they were all in shape, so they could make it all the way to the fourth floor and party. And then yeah, they probably yeah, right. someone they broke a Zima bottle. Someone tripped. Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that's terrible. A no, wine that's, that's terrible. Yeah, that's terrible to say. Yeah. And that's that is that is uh, a sad. Actually, we had a friend that we went to school with uh, passed away that same same way. It was kind of going. You think of an apartment building and going from one balcony to another and and fell. And that so that is a terrible way to go. It, it is. It really is. Now the I said there were two deaths. So the second one had more of a. It was more of a personal nature. I, I'll, I'll tell you about that in a minute. It's just um, it, it started by this some students there uh, reported to maintenance that there was a foul smell coming out of a storm grate there somewhere around the bottom of Jefferson Hill. So these maintenance guys, you know, they come out and they checked it out and they discovered that there was a dead body uh, that had been stuffed down in the, the storm drain there. Um, and the body was of a, a foreign student, I, I think he was from Pakistan, but I, I'm not exactly 100% sure. Uh, I've, I've had a few beers since then, so I can't remember. But I, I, I think it was a Pakistani. 
and um, but but I, I'm not entirely sure. But the guy was from another country, and he wanted to make American friends, and he was very anxious to do that. But boy, he picked the wrong bunch to uh, try to uh, get associated with. So the police came and forensics, and uh, before they they had trouble getting to the body, they needed these guys came in in hazmat suits and they had uh, you know these breathing apparatuses on there but and of course while they're all masked up um, they made the front page of the Athens messenger you know um, just scaring the shit out of the entire student body um, it was clear the boy didn't put himself down there uh, and the autopsy uh, revealed that he was beaten to death so um Quickly, the police uh, identified a a, sub, uh, a suspect, and uh, within that group, uh, there was one one guy who wanted the boy's watch, and told the uh, this foreign kid that uh, you know, give me your watch, or I'm going to beat you up. And he said, you know, no, that's my dad's watch, or something like that. Well, anyway, he got he got beat up really bad, and uh, I don't know if he meant to kill him or or not, but it doesn't really matter. He killed him anyway. So um, they did very quickly have a prime suspect in the case, but he had a few days of head start. He, uh, you know, he took the boy and shoved him down the storm drain and then he left. He, uh, but no one really knew if he left or not at the time. And so of course, you know, everybody was put, the whole campus was put on high alert. And uh, now keep in mind, this was my first couple of weeks in college. And think in 1983, so you have movies yeah. that probably, I, I think of like space movies or, or like alien movies where everyone had those big suits on and like you just knew that was bad news, whatever, like they're wearing hazmat suits and why would they be wearing hazmat suits even for a death? I mean, some people would, I mean, I don't know, they even. I guess they did that in the 80s, but it was, that was probably surprising and the fact that someone was killed at this peaceful university, I'm sure that scared you and your folks and everyone to death. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was very scary. So eventually they caught this guy. Uh, I think he he left the area, and I think they caught him in Texas or Oklahoma. They caught him somewhere out west. I can't really remember. And so, of course, you know, to, uh, to make the community feel safer, they splashed this guy's image and the arrest all over the Athens Messenger on the front page just to calm everyone down, just to make everybody sleep well at night. The... The, the full front page picture of this guy, it, it showed him being led away. He was wearing handcuffs, flanked on each side by sheriff's deputies. But then here's where it gets personal. I'm looking at the picture on the front page of the Athens Messenger, right? This prisoner looked exactly like me. It was the spitting image of me. It was like looking into a mirror. This guy was absolutely 100% my doppelganger. I mean, I mean, he looked exactly like me. And I was showing other people. I was like, does this look like me? And they were, everybody was telling me, yeah, he, they all agreed that if this guy ever escaped from prison, I, I wouldn't be able to leave my room. Matter of fact, I, I think that they would probably take me away in handcuffs thinking that I was this guy. So... Yeah, it, it was spooky for a while until they uh, until they actually uh, got him through the process and got him put away. And I don't know, but it's been so long. He might be out now listening to this podcast. 
you know, if, if that's, if that's the case, you know, my name is Todd Bowser. Thanks for listening. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I still live in Springfield. Come on by. Well, yeah. you know, and I was about to say, uh, well, did, uh, you know, Mulder Fox and Scully come by? But back then it would have been Angela Lansbury that would come solve the crime, <laughs> right? It was such a, a weird moment. I don't know if you've ever looked at somebody and just, you know, kind of saw yourself. And of course, this is the worst kind. This is somebody that, you know, killed a dude for his watch and then shoved him down a storm drain. So, but you're right. Uh, OU was always a, a peaceful place. I don't think I, I, I'm really trying to think. I'm straining my memory banks here, trying to even think of a fight. I remember uh, hearing about fights. Um, actually, someone was punched and hit their head on the curb outside um, near the greenery, and they they were killed. The the blow to the you know the side of the sidewalk uh, killed them. But that's all I can kind of remember. Um, and that's why your mom tells you never to get into a fight. You'll, you'll yeah, hit the, exactly. the guy will fall down and crack his head open. Oh, hey, just real quick, I got to tell you the story about my mom. So no one had a car down there. Uh, you know, everybody was just dropped off down there at the South Green, uh, at least the people that I hung out with. Well, one day my mom came to visit me, and she drove down by herself. And it was like, oh, man, we have wheels. So I invited, you know, a few close friends and we filled up the car and my mom don't drink, never has. But she went out drinking with us. So she went out clubbing with us, bar hopping. I actually managed to get her a, uh, gosh, what was it, a Bombay or something like that. I don't it, some fruity, slow gin fizz. That's what it was. It was a slow gin fizz and she liked that. So anyway, we go we go uptown and I, I, I can't remember exactly where all we went. Um but we we went up there, and then um, our little group started to grow, and we started getting more people. And so we decided we're going to go back down the hill now. And, uh, you know, I, I'm driving my mom's car, and um, we, we have doubled the size of our party now. And it's like because nobody wanted to walk home if we had wheels. So we all, we all jump in the car. It, it was kind of like how many people can you fit into a Volkswagen, you know, like in the, the 1950s or something. We have people laying on top of each other and all that. And I'm looking around. I'm like, where's mom? <laughs> mom, dear little old lady is standing there on the side of the, the sidewalk by herself. And I'm like, and we're like, all right, everybody out. And we, we all got out and we got mom back in. But uh, yeah, we almost took off without her. That would have been uh, something she would not have let me forget. Anytime no, not soon. at all. You're like, Mom, get on the hood. Woohoo! Here we go. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. any other crazy stories when you're out drinking at, at OU? Like at bars, I didn't see so many crazy stories at bars probably as much as you did, like not in a bar, but at parties and things like that. What were some other uh, wild times you remember? Well, I remember the, uh, you know, the five, the five dollar buckets at Pauper's. Um, they were like paint. Uh, paint buckets or something and for five dollars they would fill it up with draft beer which you know it sounds like a good idea the first couple of glasses but when you've been there for you know an hour or so and you get down to the last half an inch of beer left on that it's got like bugs and sand and, and a lot of people butts. smoke cigarettes in college so that was i'm sure just Ugh. full of like rotten ashes too no i'm not saying it didn't stop us from drinking it i was just saying it it got a little rough down there and uh you know uh, i i also i well i have one great memory of ou it's very brief 
But I have one great memory of OU that was just sublime to me, and it had nothing to do with with partying or alcohol. Um, you know, Walkmans were new back in the early 80s when I was going to OU, and I had a Walkman, and a friend of mine gave me Jeff Beck Blow by Blow. And I had that cassette in my Walkman, and I hit the area around Chubb Hall, and I was going across that area there, and uh, around the administrative area, and it was drizzling. It was overcast and gray, and the song Since We Ended as Lovers came on by Jeff Beck. And I don't know if you've ever heard the song Since We've Ended as Lovers by Jeff Beck. It's just a very, uh, very powerful, emotionally driven lead guitar in there. It's like he's talking with the chords. Uh, there's no words to the song. And uh, I just remember walking across Chubb Hall with the uh, with shadow, shallow little puddles on the uh, on the walkways. I, and, you know, there was really no one else around. And I was just I was in I was totally in my own world. And, you know, back now, back then, you know, we weren't so used to having, you know, iPods and, and actually being able to be mobile listening to music. But that was that was a very uh, sublime time for me just to walk around and, and listen to music. Um, that is great because I know I, I can't think of that song. I know that album. That album's got Freeway Jam on it. Is that right? Uh, it's got Constipated Duck on it. Uh, Maybe I'm, it's I'm got Lead Boots. That. I think I think there's another song I mean, called Lead Truth Boots. Truth and Beckola are on my top ten favorite albums of all time. I think, but uh, yeah, if you uh, haven't heard it or haven't heard it lately, check out Jeff Beck. Since we've ended as lovers, I'm it's doing got, it tonight. It's got one of the best guitar riffs around uh, around the end of it that uh, you'll ever. And you know this the song just reminds you of a of a of a wet day in Athens, Ohio. And of course, you know one of the the things that I loved the most about OU was climbing Bong Hill. And I didn't even know that's what its name was until later. But uh, no one told me to do it. I just looked at it and said, that thing needs climbed. And uh, we went over there with a couple of friends. We uh, ran across Highway 33. And uh, there's two sides of it. One side you can kind of hike up, and the other one is a pretty sheer rock cliff. And I, I most of the time I, I hiked up the easy side. But uh, there was at least one time that I, I uh, rock, tried to rock climb up the uh, – I, well, I did make it all the way up to the top, but – I think someone saved my life that night because uh, I was up around the very top and I was slipping and all of a sudden the guy uh, that went up before me, he grabbed my wrist and helped me up. And I think if he wouldn't have done that, I think I was probably going to be in a lot of trouble. Um, I remember Bong Hill. Two things I remember. I remember like jumping off of some rock and jumping onto trees and the trees kind of took you to the ground. Oh, wow. Uh, and then I also, this is a terrible thing I remember. Um, I was up there and there was a blind guy. And this guy was uh, my, my class year, I think maybe 90 or 91. And you'd always see him out. Nice guy. Um, he had a dog. And then we're up there. And this is after bars closed. And he had gone up with, not with me, but some other folks. And we're sitting there looking over Athens. I'm like, great view. And I'm like, I felt like such a fool as soon as I said that. I'm like, ah, because I wasn't thinking. I'd kind of forgotten he was blind. But I do remember <laughs> that about Bong Hill. True story. I, yeah, yeah. And I remember the uh, the ultimate Frisbee team would have to, part of their practice, they go run from the intramural fields in South Green and then run up there and back. 
it was a great was a great view though for sure before we run out of town i want to uh all these experience probably from the ou and of course springfield um purple toad and now you're an author tell me about that yeah i've been uh thinking of this uh this story it's an epic fantasy story um and i've been thinking about this for literally 10 years um stephen king said the good ideas are the ones that stick and what he meant meant by that was the good ideas are the ones that you think about or come to you in the middle of the night repeatedly and you continue to build on just not things that you write down but just things that you think of and so this was an idea that stuck and it stuck for a long time but I had uh, a, a lot of little false starts and half-written uh, pages, like uh, you know Pink Floyd talks about, uh, half a page of scribbled lines, and I, I never really uh, uh, could get it together as far as how it could you know all fit together because it was actually uh, not just one story, but it was many stories. Um, it's about a, a guy that's haunted. He's haunted by the spirits of the dead, and his whole family has been. And so uh, he goes out, and uh, when he finally gets his ghost, he it starts straining his sanity, and he actually climbs uh, the a mountain um, as the ghost is trying to uh, inspire him to do so. And then when he's when he's up there, he finds uh, what he finds is uh, is part of the story. Um, so he he finds a, a person living up there, and uh, some other things that um, uh, he he learns the story or the provenance of or the origin of this world that I create. So it's a three book set. And the first book sets the stage, uh, sets the characters and the sandbox that we kind of play in. And uh, so you know about that. I uh, I just got a review today. I got I got four out of five stars. So that's a that's a a big uh, milestone for me since I just published yeah. it uh, August the 3rd. So really Thanks, haven't Mom. Had, <laughs> had a uh, review from a stranger who who misspelled a bunch of things as they uh, critiqued my book. But anyway, I got a, I got a four out of five. And so I'm, I'm happy good. with that. Yeah, the next book is got more of a paranormal slant on it. Um, it talks about demons and uh, ghosts, uh, continuation of that topic about uh, curses and demon possession and things like that. Uh, all and part of one, all part of the original world in the first book, or is it something yes. else? No, it, it builds upon the world of the first book called The Provenance. That's uh, available on Amazon um, and my website, uh, www.ashtarsblade.com, which is the name of the series, Ashtar's Blade. Um, and then the, the second book, uh, because it has more of a paranormal slant to it, it wasn't planned like this, Tim, but um, I'm glad it worked out this way, that it will be released on Halloween, which I think is very appropriate for this type of book. So All right, Halloween 2021. This Halloween, yeah, October 31st, uh, 2021. It'll be coming out. It's called Kilmer's Ghost. It uh, follows the theme about... Um, a person being haunted as opposed to, you know, you've seen the, you know, dolls, the, you got haunted houses and you got haunted objects, haunted cars. Uh, well, this is a haunted person. It's a haunted family. Um, so, um, it's been going on in their family for over 200 years that they see spirits and, um, no one can really figure out 
why. And so uh, I answer that question, and it's a pretty interesting story. So I uh, hope you go out and get it. Cool. Is it on uh, tape? Do people, did all books become on tape? Uh, audiobook. Yeah, it's coming out. Uh, I enlisted the voice talents of Lisa Negron, who will be uh, voicing all of the characters and reading the story. It'll be released on Audible uh, probably within the next 30 days. Um, we were already, that's already in production and, uh, and she's going to do the whole series. And so the whole series will be available on audible. How does that work? How does did you pick her or do you, like, I, I did. don't I know yeah. anything about books. Like some people do it themselves. You're like, I don't want to read it. I'd like to have her. So did, did you know her or you just, no, I didn't know her. Um, but I had an interview process. I had, probably about 25 narrators and all of them were male, which is the way I kind of envisioned the book reading. But I really like Lisa because she has a voice that, um, how do I want to say this? She breathes life into some of the, the boring part, you know, some of the descriptive parts. Uh, she actually makes probably the most boring part of my book actually come alive. Uh, just with uh, this this bouncy type of voice that she has, then I really I really liked that. Uh, there's a lot of female characters. She has been doing a lot of nonfiction, and she told me that she was really looking forward to getting back into fiction because fiction has so many characters, and uh, nonfiction is is kind of dry. So um, yeah, she's uh, hard at work on that. She's probably got a couple more weeks, I think. And then I think it's got to go through the audible quality process, which can be a little long. I th I've heard. Um, imagine. And I imagine too, when you said fiction versus not, and when you're doing fiction, it's probably great because you can kind of make them who you want them to be and who she thinks you mean them to be. So yeah. Would be entertaining. Yeah. There's a lot more characters in fiction. Like I said, Lisa will be, narrating the entire three book series and then the, the last book will be coming out probably that's going to be in 2022 i'm never going to put out two books this close together uh, this has been like uh, some sort of uh uh dungeon you know some sort of torture chamber to get these books out uh, as, as close as they are together so uh i i don't want to go through this self-mutilation again so I'm I'm going to take my time and get that third book out uh, in 2022, probably around May time. For, uh, once again, my name's Joe Lyon, and the book is called Ashtar's Blade. The Providence is the book one. That's The Providence. And then book two of Ashtar's Blade is Kilmer's Ghost. So that's available now on Amazon and coming out soon in Audible, if you like audiobooks in all formats too, uh, ebook. Uh, paperback and hardcover. I personally like the hardcover because I've got some maps in there that really comes out uh, very vividly in, in the hardcover. I didn't think about that. Yeah, for, yeah. for maps, I, you, don't, you almost need that. Well, what about Athens? Have you talked about, thought about, because Athens has a spooky magic vibe to it. And, and you know, there's, there's stories, of course, you know, the... the the Mental Institute was haunted, and we did a podcast on haunted Athens. And I think, uh, you know, I wonder if that's a good place to kind of get some vibes. Yeah, I'm going to go back and listen to that. Uh, pod, is that podcast available? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's one of haunted. our first ones, so we're uh, it's we're kind of new at it. But yeah, it's just I did some research for it, and there is uh, a lot of stories about Athens. And I, you know, we always talk about the magic of Athens, and there is just kind of a different feel to it. And you know, maybe that's uh, more to what we're feeling than we think. 
Yeah, but I think, you know, what you were alluding to earlier about, you know, living for, for you and I, you know, living in, in Springfield and, um, you know, for me being in the band and then going off to Ohio University, you know, the, all of these things is, is what shaped us. And I, I don't know what it is, but, you know, people from OU are are really people of integrity. Um, you know, I, I'm a hiring manager in my day job, and I've, I've hired people, and some of these people come from OU. And I just got to tell you, everybody I've ever met or, or interviewed from Ohio University are just solid people. And I think it's because, you know, the reputation of, of OU, the, the, you know, being coming from a party school, coming from a, an athletic school. I, I know we're doing really well in some of our athletics uh, lately. And, uh, you know, just the, the community atmosphere and some of that uh, really bizarre kind of, you know, the Halloween celebration and, and some getting back into some of the roots of that, uh, you know, the pentagram, the, the witch's coven and things like that. You know, it's a beautiful, beautiful surroundings there. But, you know, there's always this this undercurrent of, of something kind of malevolent there, Um you don't see it very much, but you, you feel it more than you see. You, you just get get a chill every once in a while, and uh, you know you wonder where that came from. If you know, um, but like I told you, you really haven't lived until you walked across campus with your underwear in your pocket, and uh, and and had you know a, a shot of Jack for breakfast, and you know, everything just kicks back in. So then it just goes. Yeah, people talk about the adventures. You just start out in your day. You don't. <laughs> You don't know what's going to happen, but you know you're going to be surrounded by friends and have a good time by the end of the night. Yeah, and unless uh, unless you're a Pakistani dude that with a nice watch and you know somebody's going to beat you up over it, which I th- I think that whole story is is definitely an outlier. It's it is definitely not the norm for Ohio University oh, and Athens, now. Ohio. Uh, it is a it is a community that stands by each other and the student body especially of ohio university i think is a very safe place to be it's fun and uh people watch out for each other you know i i've I've seen a lot of people you know uh, over imbibe and get into problems and um, their buddies take care of them not take advantage of them so i was always proud of that so i'm proud of proud to be yeah proud to be uh an ohio university uh, I don't know. My my wife tells me I'm not an alumni because I didn't graduate, but I guess I'm a participant. I got a participation award there. So, well, you got the vibe. You, I you got the appreciate vibe. the vibe, and that's all that matters. That's more important than the being an uh, alumni for sure. Well, Joe, thank you so much. It was great to catch up from it was, uh, high yeah. school and from you know your college memories and the Purple Toad and the Toad House. That was super, and I uh, look forward to reading your books. Hey, thanks. So uh, maybe we'll have thanks you on me. again and have uh, we'll talk about the when the other when the book comes out next year. We'll have you back, and you'll be uh, you'll probably you know have to talk to your publicist by then, and you know make an appointment like six months in advance, but because uh, you'll be so famous. But circuit by then, Tim. But I, I promise you, because we're we're OU connected, we won't. I won't. Uh, I won't forget you. I'll come back. Well, thanks again, Joe. It was great <laughs> talking with you. You too, Tim. Thanks. Right, bye bye.